Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I am your host, Doc G, with me as always, the one, the only, the incomparable, that's right, I said it, yes. Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Say what? Doc G, what is up, sir? Hmm. Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Yeah. I, that was a that was a pregnant pause for no reason. I'm sorry. My brain just stopped. It's okay. You were like, what's up? And my brain just went, Blam. And I was like, oh. That was for me. I get it. I see. Yeah. I see. Now, that question can be hard for some people, you know, <laughs> sometimes. It's a, it's a tough... What's up? I don't know. It's a tough one for a radio host. Let's be honest. <laughs> real, real <laughs> tough. Mike, how are we living? Easy breezy? I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel good. I got some uh, some sunlight exposure this morning, Doc mm. G. I feel like that increased my dopamine levels. Mm. So, yeah, riding at a, about an 8.5. Oh, right the there. Right there yeah. For, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the mic, the mic levels. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, I got, I've got I've got an issue. Word. I've got an issue we got to address right now, you know? What's up? I'm not, I'm not a fan of... Of all this increase in artificial intelligence usage, hmm. it worries me. I, oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know about you. It worries me. ChatGPT is pretty good. I don't know if you've played around no. on that, but it's pretty good. It worries me, Mike. All of them worry yeah. me. Now, don't get me wrong. I know what listeners are already thinking. They're like, "Oh no." Uh, this old guy. Uh, yeah, Ben has <laughs> Come on. derailed into Oldville. I'm, I don't give me. A, <laughs> it it's uh, artificial intelligence. It's not that I don't understand artificial intelligence, and therefore I think it's dumb. I just think we're sort of blindly using it for whatever the f we want, in whatever stupid way we please. I think that's yes. dumb. That's a fact. That frightens mm-hmm. me, Mike. You know? Yeah. You see all these, you see all these, uh, these news articles. Like I, I think all the rage right now. You see these articles is like AI can write essays. You know, that's like the big thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, it can, it can do homework. Uh. Pass like law, law exams. Yeah, with like a, written law exams and yeah. ace them, Mike. Ace them. Yeah, and I'm and, yeah. and I'm like, ah, that's not too concerning for me. Nope. Like, I mean, is 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 it concerning? Sure, there's a little bit of concern with that, but like, that's mm-hmm. not the big concern. Nope. Like, people have always been able to cheat on essays. You've always been able to pay somebody to write your essay for the last thousand years. The only difference yeah. is now... Like on tablets. Yeah, the only difference <laughs> now is poorer students have the same access as richer students that can pay for it. So, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Equal access. That's not a huge, horrible thing. More horrible thing. I'm, I'm more concerned about bigger issues with AI, Mike. Hmm. And... Yeah. I was I was cruising... I was cruising the, uh, the headlines this weekend... And there were obviously, there were all kinds of stories about AI. You know, there were some funny. There were some that were intriguing. There were Mm -hmm. definitely some that were scary. There were some that were promising. 
And I, say, I, I saw two that I think were like sort of dominating a lot of the, the press. There were multiple stories on the same topic. And I, I think mm. it sort of tells the tale of AI in a way, these, these, two, different, uh, these two different stories. So the first one, I don't know if you saw this, Mike. Uh, it was about the Pope. Did you see this one? No. No, I forgot. You don't look at the news. Um, I do. <laughs> didn't see the Pope story. You didn't see I this? I saw the Bill Gates story. Okay. I saw the Bill Gates uh, AI story. Well, the, but, uh, this story, are you talking about <laughs> Bill Gates and, and Elon Musk? Their little... No, Bill Gates is just really scared. He, he thinks we're driving in a car and we haven't gotten into a car accident yet <laughs> with AI. I'm, I'm with Bill Gates. Um, we'll get <laughs> yeah. back to that. Anywho, um, you know, there was a story about the Pope. And the Pope was, uh, there was a picture of him in a puffer jacket. And everybody went bananas about uh, the Pope being in a puffer jacket. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, uh, this puffer jacket was fake. It was an AI picture. Mm -hmm. It was just that some dude was like... Like a deep fake? Yeah, a dude was just like, you know what? I wonder what the Pope would look like in a puffer jacket. Here we go. Let's post that. And everybody went bananas, you know? And, and on the surface, that story's really stupid. So true. You know? Just like, because who cares? I don't care what mm -hmm. the Pope wears. Like... No. I, he can be naked for all I care. I don't really... Huh? Care. Not that... Listeners, that I don't would be unusual. Yeah, listeners, I don't want to see a naked pope, <laughs> but like, I just don't care what he's wearing. You know, the obviously underlying issue of that it is a bigger thing. You know that people can be easily tricked and seeing as believing. So I could see where that is an issue. You know, there could be all kinds of worse things that could be out there that could trick and deceive the public. So that's kind of troubling, but you mm -hmm. know. The, the story that got far less attention, but was way more concerning to me. Again, I don't care what the Pope wears. Put whatever you want on him. I have no problem with that. The problem that was more concerning, there was a story with Jeffrey Hinton. You know Jeffrey Hinton, Mike? No. Jeffrey Hinton, he's a, he's a Jeff that spells it G-off, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. G O yeah. G E O F F. I, I can't get on board with that. What? <laughs> Sorry. G off. Yeah, G off's not for me. Girl, come um on. but anyways, Jeffrey Hinton, he's sort of like the godfather of AI. He's he's mm. been studying this stuff since the late seventies. Like has PhD in it. He's won basically yeah. every single award you can think about. And he's doing an interview with CBS over the weekend and they're doing a deep dive on ai they're asking him a whole bunch of questions about it and in the interview he casually he's like well yeah ai there's a minor risk that it'll eliminate humanity wait what what huh that was yeah. uh, there's a minor risk that it will eliminate humanity Sir, could you give us a percentage? Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, just think about any other product or service or anything in the world if somebody said that, Mike. Just, yeah. just think about, just, just think about, uh, uh, we got a new cereal by Kellogg's. There's a minor risk it may kill everyone in the world. Jeez. A little bit. Mm. 
But aside from that, delicious sweet treat. Delicious. You should go try it. Like marshmallows. What the? No, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this, and Mike, this, this Geoff, Geoff is is positive. <laughs> he's a Geoffrey. He, he's a positive pat about AI. Like he likes the stuff, you know. Like he, like literally, mm-hmm. you know, most everything. He's like, oh, this is, this is great. These are all the great things. Yeah. And then just oh, side note. It could end humanity. Eh, mm-hmm. not, not much there. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. What? Girl, come on. What? Yeah. I was a little bit troubled by that, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, after I was a little bit troubled by that, I was going through more articles, and there was an opinion article from the Washington Post. And the opinion article's like, uh, I'm reading some of it. It's like, some things about AI seem to be much more dangerous than anyone anticipated. Hmm. And I was like, no, they were anticipated. There's oh, yeah. plenty of anticipation. I was like, did you, have you seen Terminator? Did you see <laughs> The Matrix? Did you see... Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Yeah. Did you see iRobot? They all told you this stuff was bad. Like, there was... Yeah. 25, 40 years ago, they were saying it was bad. Like, there was plenty of warning, Mike. Just, it creeps me out, Mike. Old man, I creeped out. Don't like it. I'll say... I'll say that my only hope for the, uh, you know, AI killing us all is that it's all done very painlessly because in Ex Machina, she does it very (laughs) precisely and kills him. And like, it's just, oh, lights out. That's it. (laughs) So, you know, because it's artificial intelligence. So they know exactly where the turnoff switch is for us. So hopefully if it does happen, it's very painless and quick. Very optimistic, Mike. I like it. Very (laughs) optimistic. Mike, I want... To make a promise to the listeners here uh, here and now on this show. Hmm. This show will never be produced, written, or performed by artificial intelligence. All right? <laughs> In fact, I think we could go out on a limb, Mike, and say this show will never be produced, written, or performed by intelligence. Nope. Yeah, that's true. You know, I I think that'd be this. yeah exactly. I think that's going beyond our limits. I welcome any of the listeners to deep fake me though. Please try. Don't do Go it. For it. Don't you do it, listeners. It. <laughs> Don't you do it. Um, I do, but like I do also. By the way, when I was writing this, Mike, uh, in my outline to make this promise to the listeners, I do find it ironic when I was writing this outline on Microsoft Word that when I wrote artificial intelligence. In the last sentence, it finished it for me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but, but like that. paperclip. That's. Did you mean? That's minor help though, Mike. You know? Yeah. That's like a golf cart while playing 18 holes. Okay. I'm, I'm not letting AI mm-hmm. do my actual hitting. Putting. That's not happening. If, yeah. If you're following my analogy, folks. Anyways. Nope. Regardless, Mike, I thought about it and was like, how can I verify that this show is not being influenced by AI think tanks? You know, how can I let people know that our information on our show is our information? Hmm. And I decided what we're going to do, Mike. I'll give you a personal story that can be verified by another living person at any time for verification purposes. That I have okay. never let out as far as a story 
on the show or anywhere else public that would be able to be gathered by AI to use as a Doc G show story. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, very ready. Okay, Mike. Uh, here's my verification story for today. Um, back in middle school, me and my friend Isaac and Lee, we had to make a product and and then make commercials for that said product. Hmm. And uh, I'm going to tell you what our product was. Our product was Jello in a bag. Sweet. Hmm. We essentially stole Gogurt and just made it Jello instead of okay yogurt. Then Genius. we decided that our product was going to be advertised to extreme sport enthusiasts. That's right. So our ad was just us like jumping off of things and then yelling, "It's Jello in a bag." That was it. <laughs> that was it. And uh, while we we're doing this, Lee was supposed to do uh, one scene where he came down this steep hill on a bike and looked at the camera and yelled, it's Jello in a bag. Uh, while he was doing this, his foot slipped off the pedal and his ball sack landed squarely on the bar of the bike, causing him oh to completely God. ruin his line, and we all had it on camera. Jeez. Ruin his line? Yeah. Of, oh, of, his line. Of, okay. of, the, uh, of the shot. That's what we're all concerned with. I thought that was another way of like his like... His wiener line, <laughs> yeah, like his like his reproduction. Oh, line. I see. Line, <laughs> I like, no. oh god, maybe so. I don't know. Uh, Lee hasn't had kids Hopefully yet, not. so maybe <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah, down the line. Sorry. For regardless, Jello Mike in a bag. Regardless, <laughs> take that AI. You had no yeah. idea about Jello in a bag, and even no if you idea. did, Isaac and Lee would not verify its existence by you. No. Mm. Hmm. Now, Mike. Uh, just to cover our basis, if AI uh, does take over the world and starts weeding out the non-believers, we do want to say AI is terrific, and the Doc G Show has no ill will towards AI. Totally yes. cool. So, oh yeah, let's just That's a fact. let that sink in for the overlords for of sure. AI. Um, but Mike, now that we've covered all our bases, good and bad with AI, are you ready to fire this show up? Yes, let's start up this non-artificial intelligence. I'm Shut. cranking it up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Manually. <laughs> We're going to get this thing going, Mike. We have a fantastic show. We have Nico Moon on the show, this fella. Just an yeah. awesome guy, Mike. Awesome yeah. guy. Spending some time with us, making great tunes. I'll tell you right now. I hope I get invited to his backyard fire pit. That's what I hope. Uh, yeah, looks amazing. It's a little goal of mine. Uh, it yeah. will it happen? Probably not. Nope. You know, no. but maybe. Yeah, you know, a guy can dream, Mike. Nope. And that's a dream. It's on the big board mm -hmm. over here. Huh? I'm pointing to nothing. There's not actually a board over there, but oh, come on. I'm. It's on the big board. Dream number two, three, maybe four. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's up there. Regardless, he's doing big things, Mike. Nico's doing yeah, big is. things. Can't wait to talk to him. Super fun guy. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suits. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mike, do you remember what you are? You're 21. I think you're 21 for 33. 30. Yeah. 33. 33. Okay. Yep, yep. So you're, you're still in the 60%. 
Still good. Mm-hmm. Still good. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get this first one. You're you're a basketball you know, fan, but this is an old basketballer. Where are you we'll getting see, ready to say, Doc G? I just I just want you to know, like I don't, I barely know my my own mom's birthday. Like this is really just. We don't hard have to, to get graded on, but you, I mean, this is this is a very accurate grade for me in the birthday department. You and don't have to know the birthdays. I was about to say knowing Sorry, the people yeah, 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 is the right, more. Right. Yeah, knowing the people. I'd I do be, know my mom. I'd be really amazed if you just blew out their birthdays. You're like, oh, what? What is that? Yeah, that's March 29th. I know that. I've memorized their birthday. <laughs> like, anyways, born on March 29th, 1945, in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the oldest of nine kids. God, jeez. Ever think about being in a family that big, Mike? That's insane. Like, yeah, you just barely even know your brothers and sisters. You're like, who, who's that person again? Frank. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Yeah. And how much older is he than me? 20 years. Wow. Yeah, that's huh. too many birthdays. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot, man. That Anyways. Not be good. Our birthday suit wearer loves sports growing up, basketball, football, baseball. He could uh, he could have played football in college, but he said there were no black quarterbacks at the time, so he decided to play basketball instead. He went to Southern Illinois University. When he graduated, he was drafted fifth overall by the New York Knicks. Immediately made an impact, scoring nine points per game his rookie year. Over his career, he became a seven-time All-Defensive player, a six-time All-NBA player, a seven-time All-Star, and a two-time NBA champion with the New York Knicks in the 1970 season and the 1973 season. Wow. After his career, he's inducted into the Hall of Fame. Then uh, selected to the NBA's 50th anniversary team and the NBA 75th anniversary team. That's right. Since retiring, he's done sideline commentating for the MSG Network, and he works for the New York Knicks. Uh, when he comes to a game, he's known, Mike, for his amazing fashion. So true. In fact, there's a website dedicated to every single suit that he wears to the game for the past 10 seasons. You can literally go wow. look every single game and which uh, which suit he wore to each game. Name that birthday suit wearer. Yeah, totally a guess here. Is it Will Chamberlain? Yeah, you got you got the first uh, letter right. So there's that. Walt mm. Frazier. Walt Frazier. Yeah, man. Turning 78 for Walt. 78, mm. man. Just uh, sometimes we forget about him. You know, it's been, I, I'm sure Sam from last week hasn't forgot about him. I actually think, I actually think Sam might have brought him up. I'm going to have to check that. But I'm pretty sure he brought up Walt Frazier when he was talking about Jalen Brunson. Because he said he's the best mm. point guard they've had since Walt Frazier. So there you go. I think he did say that, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he was, he was basically the last good point guard that the uh, Knicks has, have had, which is obviously extremely, extremely sad for the Knicks since uh, that was uh, more than 40 years ago that he retired. So true. So, uh, you know. What about Nate Robinson? Wasn't he a point guard? I guess he wasn't uh, like an all-star. Yeah, I was about to say, he doesn't come anywhere close to what Walt Frazier is. Yeah. Like. I mean, no I offense gotcha. to Nate Robinson. He's also getting knocked out by Jake Paul. Uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, <laughs> both of them could kick my ass. I'm here to say, easily, and we all know they could kick Mike's. Mike says, "Oh yeah, he I'll could. Fight. He could away. not fight. 
Not at all. 80-year-old woman <laughs> would beat the shit, Mike. We all know this. Health insurance is not great, Doc G. <laughs> I'm out of there. It's bad. It's bad. Anywho, happy birthday to Walt Frazier, turning 78, Mike, a basketball legend. I mean, arguably, you can say one of the 75 best players of all time. Pretty yeah. big deal. So true. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines. What's going on, Doc G? It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Woo! Mike, headline from now this. You know now this? It's pretty no. pretty popular little, little ditty as far as a what? media company there. Anyways, this headline, here we go. New Zealand's government is spending $4 million to help teens cope with breakups. Hmm. Yeah. Mike, that is going to buy a whole lot of porn and weed for those teens. That is great. <laughs> that is good for them, Mike. Congratulations. Good news. Like, isn't that all teens yeah. need, though, Mike? Come on. You don't need coping. What, what, did they go out with a person for a week? Come on. Get over it. Come yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's tough though, Doc G. Come yeah, on, yeah. You know okay, I'm being You're an 14. old. I'm being an old man again. Let's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's sad. We're gonna fix you, teenagers. We're gonna help <laughs> you get through this together. That's right. Anyways, Mike. Last week I told you about Gwyneth Paltrow. You remember that? Oh yeah, she's got the candles. Yeah, well, she's she's on trial. She's on trial. And she's for, on trial. Yeah, for ski hit and run. Um, yep. Well, she did go on the stand. And I, I first, the good news. Twitter found her glasses absolutely appalling and likened her to a serial killer. So, <laughs> most often to Jeffrey Dahmer, not surprisingly, because of the glasses, you yeah. know? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, of course, that was amusing, so that was good. Uh, but here's the deets, Mike. The deets of the trial came out. So, as I told you last week, 76-year-old retired optometrist, uh, Dr. Terry Sanderson, was left with several broken ribs and a severe concussion when Gwyneth allegedly slammed into him on the slopes. Hmm. Well, now Gwyneth, and I'm going to start calling her Gwen, by the way. I'm not giving her the full Gwyneth. I don't like calling her Gwen. Okay. She's Gwen. Gwen is countersuing for a million dollars saying that Terry collided into her not the other way around say what yeah now Mike called me crazy but this sounds like a case of nobody knows how to ski it sounds like (laughs) it's a little much little bit uh what's going on here but Mike on uh last Friday Gwen came on the stand and she said quote she initially thought someone was sexually assaulting her. Huh? She said she felt a body pressing against me and heard a strange grunting noise. Hmm. She then yelled at Mr. Or Dr. Sanderson, you skied directly into my f- back, she said. So, there's a couple things on this one, Mike. First... If what Gwen is saying is true, how fragile of a person is Terry Sanderson? That's a fact. How how fragile do you have to be to run into the back of a 130-pound woman 
and the woman describes it as someone pressing their body against them, and that collision gives you several broken ribs and a concussion, it's rough. That Airline is, fractures. You are a fragile, fragile man. <laughs> now, for what it's worth, Mike, Terry came on the stand just yesterday. Say what? He got up on that stand yesterday, and he let folks know it was Gwen that hit him from behind. Yes. Yes. He said it was like someone was out of control and was going to hit a tree and die. He then reacted the blood-curdling scream he heard before he got hit in his back very hard. He said it felt like a serious smack in his back. Hmm. So there you go, Mike. Mm. We've got a we've got a real he said she said building up here, Mike. This is a this is a real. I mean, that's literally what's going on here. He said yeah. something. She said something. That's a fact. So, Mike, <laughs> without knowing any details of the trial, who do you think is going to end up paying anything? Do you think either one's going to end up paying something? What do you think? I think Gwen's going to lose this one, Doc G. You think so? Doesn't sound like she has a strong case, no. Okay. Yeah, I do. I think hers sounds a little less believable than uh, yeah, Terry's. Sound believable. You know, no, I mean, no, Terry's she's... just sounds believable. He did the reenactment of the blood-curdling scream. He's got yeah, the he's injuries. Got more details. You know? Yeah. Like, she doesn't have any injuries. Like, no. and how the does he get those injuries from coming up behind and pressing his body up against her in some kind of sexual yeah. motion i don't get She's that trying to me too him here nah, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't ever cuss on the show but you know hey <laughs> you got to get it every now and then mike you got to get it mike uh finland you know about finland right it's a country stuff yeah yeah well once again mike it, it was crowned happiest country in the world hmm good for them yeah and now, the Vermont Mike, of the world. Well, now they're actually offering free trips to Finland for other countries on how to be happy. Hmm. Okay. Live show? <laughs> I, Mike, I feel like Finland, though, is now just like trying to rub it in. They're just like brag. Like, like doesn't that seem a little braggadocious? Like, oh. A little bit. Oh my God, have we won this so many times we should teach a course in how to be happy because we're awesome? Does anybody else want to get in on our awesomeness? Like, seems a little bit much, you know? Settle down, Finland. We get it. You still yeah, we have, get it. Come on. You, you're still cold, okay? That's a fact. Yeah. Anyways, Mike, hmm. we got a problem in Georgia. Uh-oh. Rick Ross's buffaloes are a nuisance. Wait, what? Yeah, he really... He's got buffaloes? Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a Rick Ross move. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, Mike. I haven't really kept up too much with, with uh, Rick Ross's life too much, honestly. You know? Hustling, hustling. I mean, yeah. I've kept up with the idea that he that he owns a good deal of wing stops. And, uh, and, and I saw a video clip of him talking about uh, how he wouldn't own a Tesla... Because he's pretty sure they could control your brain. Um, <laughs> which, 
you know, he gets it. Well, I was about to say, which after my opening here, Mike, I could see where the listeners would be like, well, he's obviously going to side with Rick Ross. But I'm going to have to say, Rick, that might be a step too far. I mean, yeah, I don't think a company that can, can, can't can control their own cars has reached the level that they're going to control your brain yet. You know, I mean, true. good point. But good point. Regardless, Mike, I didn't notice that Rick Ross bought an estate in Georgia. Did you know that? I didn't I didn't even follow that news. Back in 2014, he bought the previously owned Evander Holyfield mansion in Georgia. Mm. It's 44,000 square feet, so a nice a nice little house. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And uh he also has 235 acres of land around the house. Jeez. Now, several years ago, he was talking to Darius Burton, a dude uh, that if you've never seen Darius Burton, he looks pretty much exactly like Rick Ross. Hmm. Literally, there's a bunch of stories about how Rick Ross is partying with his twin, and that twin is Darius Burton. Darius Burton (laughs) is the CEO of Ethica Clothes. And anyways, Darius Burton said, hey, Rick... You should have a giraffe. Hmm. And Rick was like, nah, that's too extreme. And he was like, all right, you know, let's take it down a little bit. How about a cow? Glam. And Darius was like, nah, cows have been done before. I don't need a cow. And Darius was like, all right, how about a buffalo? And Rick said, that is cool. Word. And Darius said, done. And he got Rick Ross two buffaloes for his birthday, Mike. And so ever since, he's had buffaloes. Now, uh, there have been a couple cases, including this past week, where the buffaloes have gotten out of their enclosures. Girl, come on! And they've just started wandering the streets near uh, Rick Ross's uh, (laughs) uh, land. And uh, a lot of the residents, Mike, they've had enough. They're not a fan of Rick Ross's buffaloes. Uh, Antoinette Barnes, who lives in the area... She put it down like this. She said, quote, I'm over here as a concerned mother. So why would you like not control your buffalo? Control your buffalo. (laughs) That's a fact. That's all I'm saying. If he's a real boss, then at that point, control your animal and supervise your staff. That's it. There you go, Mike. There you go. Yeah. She has points. She has a lot of good points. I'm not. I'm not going to dispute her points, Mike. Now, uh, no way. I think the biggest question here on this story, Mike, are you interested in owning a buffalo? Hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Not going to lie. A little bit. Yeah. I think it would be cool to have a farm with cows and buffaloes yeah. and giraffes. Yeah. I'll tell you, Mike. <laughs> let me tell you something less risky, and way cooler. That's extravagant ball. <laughs> for no reason that Rick Ross should think of. A llama. Well, yeah, yes. Yeah, ne- <laughs> scratch my idea, Mike. That's the idea. Lo- guard, and then he doesn't, I mean, then it's guarding his place. He doesn't have to worry about it leaving. True. It's just going to be the impeccable guard, which, perfect. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think about that, Mike? Good thought. Yes. Of course. I thought that's where you are going. Yeah. Of course, it should have been where I was going. <laughs> so true. It would solve all of his issues. There would no one would be coming on his land ever again. No way. 
His his buffalo would be put in line because they wouldn't get out of line mm-hmm. when the llama's around. They'd be like, oh, sorry, Mr. Llama. My bad. My bad. Yeah. You know? Antoinette would be asking for like a pet like a pet uh, farm or something. Yeah, you know? should, should should like birthday parties with the llama. You know, yeah. Maurice, the space. We're upset. Rick is not having us over for a llama. Yeah, thing. Maurice, the space cowboy. That could be Rick Ross <laughs> right there. Sweet. But Mike, my, my idea, and maybe he could do both. He could do both. This is what he could do. But my idea was he should import some giant sequoias and redwoods. Mm. Like, I mean, like 40 footers, right? Get them on a tractor oh, yeah. trailer. Bring them all the way to the East Coast and plant your own giant forest on your property. Yeah. How cool would that be? You would have... That would be so sick. Yeah. And then, let's combine it with your idea. You've got a couple of llamas wandering around your mystical forest. Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of awesome Star Wars land would you be living in? That would be amazing, Mike. My God, yeah. don't waste your time on some stupid buffalo. That's not necessary. Come on, man. No way. And then I think with evolution with enough time, I think you would eventually get little Ewoks, mm-hmm. which would be like a combination of the buffalo and the llamas. Yes. They yes. would reproduce probably. Obviously. Over- That's science, Mike. <laughs> that is science. There is no That's question. That's what Darwin's saying. You know what? Sorry. I am going to go in... I am I'm scheduling a meeting with Rick Ross. We are going to get this. <laughs> we are going to get this down for him, Mike. Mike, uh, before we go to break, I have another headline from now this. Uh, this is the headline, quote, large asteroid coming close, but zero chance of hitting us. Hmm. That's good. I don't know, Mike. That's good. I- I'm not a fan of that boastful confidence. Nope. You know? Seems like they're really asking for it from karma. Zero mm. chance. Isn't that what yeah. they said about the Titanic? Zero yeah. chance of sinking. No <laughs> way. Like, I just, come on. Assign some small number yeah. to it. 0.0001% yeah. chance, something like We're that. We're very yeah. confident that. that we will not be eliminated. At least give us the G-off method. Minor risk. <laughs> Minor risk. Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back. But first, we are going to hear from none other than our guest, Nico Moon. This is Good Time right here on the Doc G Show. just trying to catch a good time, even if it takes all night. Pass that bottle around the campfire, sipping apple pie moonshine. Good time, good time, trying to catch a good time, good time, baby, good time. Oh, I think I got a bite. And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Well, Doc G, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive waste of their time, they should please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever they get their podcasts. 
It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if the listeners are feeling extra generous, please leave us a five-star review and a comment. We love comments. We will read your comments. Amen, Mike. We would like to see those subscriptions. We would like to see, and trust me, when we read the comments, we're not going to have AI read the comments. It's going to be me and Mike. We're yeah. going to do it. We're going to mm-hmm. read the comments. Yeah. We're going to appreciate the comments. Regardless, Mike, we need to appreciate the people that do uh, listen regularly. First, oh yeah, the regulars. Here we go. Yes. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, and Oka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartansburg, South Carolina, and Athens, Georgia. Shout out. Yes. Yes. The regulars, Mike. The regulars. Now, some semi-regulars. Shout out. Here we go. Shout out to Delaplane, Virginia. Delaplane. Mm. Yeah. Sacramento, California. Light the Bean, Sacramento. Sacktown. Yeah. Billings, Montana. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Just reminded old Dirty Myrtle, because I was watching an old episode of... uh, Eastbound and down the other day, mm. Mike. So, got a little Myrtle Beach great show. Remembrance from, from what I remember, just a ridiculous show, Mike. That show now, that show now would be canceled after the first two episodes. <laughs> and a lot has changed in those fifteen years, Mike. Anywho, lo- well, it's on HBO. It wouldn't be canceled. You could still say sick on HBO. It's fine. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. Anyways, Lawrenceville, Georgia, shout out. Overland Park, Kansas, shout out. By the way, really uh, underrated character in uh, uh, Eastbound and Down, Jason Sudeikis. I was thinking of that because of Overland Park, because he's from Overland Park, Kansas. He does Hmm. a standout job in Eastbound and Down. He also has a heart attack. You probably don't remember that, but he has a heart attack doing cocaine in in the show. He's the catcher for the baseball team. Anywho, Henderson, Nevada, shout out to them. New Orleans, Louisiana, shout out to them. Amarillo, Texas, shout out to them. Panhandle, Tejas, nice. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, one week, Baton Rouge. You make it next week, you're on the regulars. You're right up there in the Pantheon, guys. One week, do it, guys, do it. Shout out to Chattanooga, Tennessee, Cairo, Egypt. Shout out to Vancouver, Canada. Shout out to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And shout out to Mountain View, California. There we go, Mike. Semi-regulars. Semi-regulars. Mike, I've got one thing I want to talk about as far as the miscellaneous file. So we need to we need to open it up. Nice. A little, little pondering that I had. What so, uh... Reese Witherspoon, you remember her? You remember oh, yeah. Her? We were talking about her last week. It was her birthday last week, you know? Yeah, I didn't get that one, but we are You close. didn't. But, side note, Mike, this doesn't really pertain to what I was pondering in my head, but, it, I mean, it was topical, and it, it, it sort of fit along with it. She just got a divorce to her husband. Aw. Like, that. like, literally, like two days ago, three days ago, Aww. something like that. It was like over the weekend. It's crazy. 
And no. it's just wild how things work now because she just like put a post out on Instagram. It was like, hey, by the way, me and Jim, we decided to get a divorce. So Aww. there's that. Like it's uh, wild, wild. But anyways, that's actually not, I'm actually going to talk about the uh, previous divorce that she had, Mike, because I was thinking about this. Um, we talked about Reese Witherspoon and Reese Witherspoon, uh, her daughter basically looks exactly like her, right? You know? Yeah. She does. T- yeah, she yeah. does. Yeah. And her daughter's wow. 23 years old now, right? Daughter's 23 years old now. And she had her do- uh, daughter with Ryan uh, Philippi. You know? You know that guy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good looking which, guy. Which, by the way, I'll always be a fan of Ryan because he's in MacGruber. So shout out to Ryan for being in MacGruber. It's amazing. <laughs> um, amazing shout out. They got divorced in 2008, Mike. So they they had uh, they had their daughter in 2000. They got divorced in 2008, and I'll give it to them. They seem like they have a fairly amicable relationship. You know those two. Like they they've been divorced. Uh, they comment every now and then on their post. You know, uh, and they were both at uh, uh, at their son's graduation the other day, and like he made a comment about her. It seems fairly nice, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about this. You get a divorce, you know. At best, you're getting a divorce because you're saying, I can't stand to see this other person every day. So true. Like, that's essentially what you're saying, right? You're like, okay, I've had enough of you, and I'm going to need a break from you. Mm -hmm. At least multiple days. At least multiple days (laughs) in a row before I see you again, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, I, I mean... It, it, with with Reese and, and Ryan, that's sort of the best as it can get. It's like, okay, I can take you in very small amounts. But think about it. It can be way worse than that, right? Obviously, divorces can be horrible. Yeah, they but, can be. But then, think about, like, on Ryan's side. You get a divorce, and your daughter that you had with the person that you decided you can't stand to see on a daily basis... That daughter turned out to look exactly like the person you can't see on a daily basis. Yeah. Like, it's like nature being like, nope, you're going to see him. You're going to see him <laughs> every single day. Oh. And like, and, 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 and not only does she look like, like the person you can't stand, but there's just a little bit of you in there so you can hate yourself even more every time you see them. You're just like, oh, oh God. Like, I can't imagine that that is. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying Ryan's in that hell, but there's definitely somebody out there that can't stand their ex-wife and their, their son or daughter looks exactly like that person. And they come over to their house and they're just like, oh, God. Oh, the past <laughs> is staring me right in the face. Oh, no. Like, so true. Talk about nightmare, Mike. That is. And then they probably have some of their like mannerisms too. Yeah, like, no, no, everything. And it just comes it right back and you're just like, ow. It's like ah. our trip to Vegas. You <laughs> like, just like, you know, and just Fill like. Fill up the Britta picture. Yeah, it's just so too much. Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about that, but man, that's 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 adult problems right there, Mike. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to worry about that. I avoid those with oh, a yeah. passion. I yeah. 
Yikes. If it gets a, above a certain level, I am out. Oh, no, thank you. That yeah. Is, that is. I'm driving ooh. right into it, Doc G. No! Turn <laughs> your car! Turn your car, Mike! Oh, it's anyways. We don't need to have a therapy session, Mike. You know what? Instead of That'll having a therapy. will be for after the show. Sorry. <laughs> Instead of a therapy session, how about we do some news that doesn't suck? Yes. There we Here go. we go. Here we go. Switch it up. My Things that don't suck. A list of consisting of Paul Rudd. And whatever the doc wants to say now. We've been a Debbie Downer for the first segments of the show. We had the AI thing. We just had this divorce thing. Let's have some positive yeah. news. Mm -hmm. Let's have some positive. I've got two stories that are positive, And they work together. They're cool. working together on, on each side of our climate issue, Mike. Our climate issue. Now, you know, biggest climate issue is carbon in the atmosphere, yeah. right? We're mm -hmm. creating carbon that's going in the atmosphere. Well, I've got good news. The main reason that carbon goes in the atmosphere is what? We need to make energy, right? That's why we, mm -hmm. we have carbon yeah. in, in the it's atmosphere. The mm -hmm. Well, guess what, Mike? Uh, researchers at uh, Monash Biomedicine Discovery Institute at Bonash University in Australia have found a bacterial enzyme named HUC. That is H-U-C. And this bacterial enzyme takes hydrogen gas from the environment and turns that hydrogen gas into electrical current. Say what? Hmm. It takes an atom and it turns it in to an electrical current. Okay. So what does that mean? <laughs> that means, Mike, we have a way to produce electricity simply from hydrogen. Oh. No, no byproducts, no CO2, no waste, just hydrogen to electricity. So true. Now, the big issue, Mike, is how do we, how do we make massive quantities of this huck? How do you yeah. make a whole bunch of that enzyme? That's the problem. Scaling up this said bacteria to a large enough scale that it can be helpful for humanity. But regardless, Mike, first step is there. We have the way that hydrogen gets turned directly in mm. to electricity. That is insane. That is some exciting news, Mike. You know me, yeah. Mike. I have worked in science. I have never been in a lab that would be anywhere close to something that monumental and that land-breaking. Like, nope. I can could, I could only imagine working in a lab where you're actually doing something that significant. That would be insane. Yeah. I'd be like, guys, we're actually doing something important here. Can anybody <laughs> believe this? This is insane. And everybody would be like, yeah, we're trying to solve the world's energy crisis. I'd be like, I know. And we're doing that right now. Can you believe yeah. this? This is nuts. But hats off to those guys. That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, Mike, on the other side of the issue, right? The carbon's going into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. We need a way to get rid of that carbon. That's the yeah. other side, right? Well, research, Capture it. Yeah. researchers at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania 
have found a new way to absorb carbon from the atmosphere with two to three times the capacity of what is capable now. Sweet. Oh. Nice. That's yeah. good because we need a lot of carbon. We need carbon. a lot more than that. Yeah. We need, I mean, we need yeah. to scale it up to about 300 times of what we can do right now. But two to three times is in the uh, right direction. Mm-hmm. And right now yes, it'll be it captured into sodium bicarbonate, also known as baking soda. Mm-hmm. So, so there we go, Mike. Hitting it from both sides. Stop putting it into the air with hydrogen electric and taking it out of the air and turning it into baking soda. That's right. That's promise, Mike. That's progress yeah, like right that. there. I like that. Positivity on the Doc G yes. Show. It's what we do. Woo-hoo. And you know what? Mm-hmm. There's more positivity, Mike, because guess what? We've got Nico Moon after this break. And he's a super positive that's, dude. That's a positive. That's yeah. a positive guy. He's going to be positive, and we're going to be positive right there with him. Can't wait. We are. We'll be right back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. to the show everybody we are super excited to be welcoming a fantastic songwriter and performer who will be performing at the clay county fair on march 31st none other than mr nico moon nico how are you sir hey i'm doing great how are y'all doing doing good doing good now uh i'm I'm guessing you know i was taking a look at the the touring schedule i'm guessing a little bit of florida sunshine is going to be good because i noticed before florida You've got Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. And I was like, huh. Did Nico tell his booking agents that those are July locations, not March locations? <laughs> like, man, you're going to... You, you know, I, I'm in Nashville right now, and it's cold here in Nashville. So, yeah, I can't wait, y'all. I eagerly anticipate getting down there, hanging out with everybody, and getting to enjoy that great weather. Nice, man. Well, speaking of uh, coming down here to Florida, I actually heard the song way back. It has a little bit of a connection to Florida. I heard you talking about how uh, it's it's about you and your three best friends road trip to, to Florida in high school playing low places on repeat there. Was that? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. So I wrote that song for like my three best buddies. We always go on like a annual uh trip uh just to you know just to hang out and every time we get together it's like it's like we're right back to 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 being uh, in high school again <laughs> i don't know what it is you know it's just uh 
that it. connection you got with friends with friends that you go really way back with. So, uh, but yeah, that that was like our first trip, and we take one every year. So, uh, uh, good memories. What was the first one? What what part of Florida did you go to? Uh, Orlando. Uh oh! Oh, Mike's hometown right there. Oh man! Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our last one, we went. Uh, I think we went to uh, like a. Uh, we started in Vegas and drove to uh, Grand Canyon. Where? Where's nice. where Mike's at now? He's in Las Vegas now. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, that's the home base. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now, as as far as touring goes. Um, you know, it, it's fairly new as far as the headlining tour. You've been in the music industry a good while. I mean, uh, uh, several years, but it's been less than two years since your first headlining tour. So going on a tour like this that you're getting ready and, and going out there, does it still feel like a a new awesome thing to you, getting to headline the tour? Yeah, it definitely does. It's um, it's different because everybody's, everybody's there to see it. You're not opening up you know oh so you're able to like have your own lights and you know kind of do your own thing a lot more uh it's been awesome man i've been able to really kind of like express myself i guess you would say with the live shows doing this headline tour more than i ever have before which has been really enjoyable nice nice well i mean along with that obviously the fans are coming and i actually noticed uh on instagram you got folks Putting putting the lyric tattoos on on themselves, you know, putting out your lyrics on on uh, tattoos, and I was wondering, uh, you know, do you remember the first time that happened that somebody came up and said Nico Moon lyric? Were you like what? What? Yes, yeah, wild. I mean, we're at like um, hundreds and hundreds of people now. Probably, I mean, if I had to estimate it, I would say somewhere close to a thousand people have probably gotten a tattoo. Whether it's my my logo, yeah, I call him the Happy Cowboy, or uh, or like a lyric from a song or my signature or something like that. But the relationship that I have with um with everybody out there who takes the music that I make is is really close. It's really uh, personal and it's uh, genuine, nice. and so uh, it's something that I I just feel I just feel such a strong connection to to my people, to my musical family, you know? And, uh, and that's the whole reason why I got into doing music, you know, as an artist, you know, I started out as a songwriter, as a producer, but the reason I made the transition is because I love people. I love connecting with people. And, uh, as a songwriter and producer, you do get to do it, but it's, 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 um, it's more indirect, I guess, because it's this vicarious connection and being able to tour and get out out there on the road, meeting people every night, the kind of music that I make, which is focused on positivity and optimism, you know, and just generally just that feel good vibe to me, I think is really important in life just because, uh, you know, like I just said, life is short, you know, we're, we're, we're rolling through it and I'm personally trying to, trying to have as much fun and be in as good of a mood as I possibly can through as much of life as I possibly can. I have to uh, positive music to be really helpful for that you know it's it's really helped me out in situations uh and times in my life where i've needed you know encouragement uh it's been great bookmarkers for moments in my life where things are great like you go to the beach and there's that soundtrack or like i was talking about you know that when i went down to florida you know with my boys and that that garth brooks album was you know that was such a fun album was a uh, 
the soundtrack to that moment. You know, music has this amazing ability to do that. I feel really fortunate that I get to make that kind of music for people. You know, I want to make music that people tie to the good times in their uh, in their life. For sure, for sure. Well, now, I mean, before I get you mentioned the, you know, the 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 road that you've been on in the music industry before i get to that i wanted to ask i know you love tattoos you've got a lot of them yourself do you do you have any lyric tattoos of any other artist man that's a good question i do actually i got a uh my me and my wife are, are like our song is at last by uh, uh etta james and uh uh there's a line in the song that says i, I found a dream that i could speak to a dream that i could call my own and i feel like she was this person that I've been dreaming about my whole life. Finally meet that dream. Someone that you could speak to, someone that you could call your own, you know? So we both got that tattoo, the lyrics of it. But we got the same lyrics. Nice, nice. I actually saw... um I actually saw you guys do that song there, right? Sort of, I think it was around the start of the pandemic on uh, on social media. You guys, uh, you you did that song together, yeah. playing it at your house. That was pretty awesome. There's what? just something about that song. I don't know. It makes me think of my wife. Nice. So it makes her think of me. So you know, we kind of made it our song. Nice, Mike. You got a question? Oh yeah, Nico. Just going back to uh, you know, you have fans that come up to you with like tattoos of uh you know your lyrics and your songs your signature on uh you know i think that's like so amazing i'm i'm a stand-up comedian i think it would be really hilarious if uh, somebody came up to me with like one of my jokes <laughs> tattooed on their arm <laughs> like homeless chicks oh yeah that's really thank you <laughs> just just one little phrase I too feel like stand-up comedy is is the hardest art form out there i think it's much harder than music um to I mean, I, 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 I got music working for me, which even before I open up my mouth and say one word, you know, the music is helping me, you know, uh, but with stand up, you know, uh, and it's one thing to enjoy music, it's nothing to laugh and, and to stay laughing for like a long time. And so for stand up comedian to keep people laughing in person for like a long time, that's <laughs> man, respect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've, I've but yeah, it is, man. It's a, it's an amazing feeling, you know, and because uh, especially the lyrics, because the the you know, uh, I write all the music myself. Me and my wife write everything. Uh, the music really is homemade. I, we make it here at home. Uh, I'm in my our barn right now, but I got a recording studio here in Nashville, here at the house, and that's where I produce and make all the music me and her write it and everything's from the heart you know um and it's from our family to everybody out there so when somebody digs it it's it it, it means a lot yeah. you know what i mean because uh it, it it's it came from a real place and for the, it to mean so much that they would get it tattooed on their body which which for me you know loving tattoos i totally uh connect with that sort of um commitment you know and uh to me, it's just a sign of love, you yeah. know, and uh, sure. I just appreciate it. You know, I, I tell everybody every night, as long as y'all have me, I'll keep coming. You know, I'm just grateful for it because uh, there's a lot of artists out there making a lot of really cool music. And uh, very few of us are fortunate enough to get to tour around the country and do it for a living. I mean, 
it's the gift of all gifts, you yeah. know? And, and to me, it's, it's also, you don't know how long you have the gift. So you, you, you wake up every day with gratitude for it. I do my best to, every morning. I wake up, have like a one minute gratitude minute. I'm, everything's working for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got people that I love deeply that, that love me, you know, that care about me, that, uh, you know, are invested in me. You know, I get to do music for a living. What the hell? <laughs> you know, like a simulation. just a moment of gratitude, you know, grateful for all the people out there that, that make that possible, you know? And then to me, when I just do that one little one minute thing, the difference in my day is dramatic. And I ain't trying mm. to like get on some soapbox and I'm, it's just a real quick thought, but yeah. it really is dramatic. Like I'll, uh, my day is different, you know, and I think it's because it, it it sets it off on the right foot of like being in a mindset of gratitude, you know. For sure. And I'm a, I'm a man, I'm someone who's very, man, I got a lot to be grateful for. For sure. Well, and now, I mean, you know, on the flip side of that, on on the less grateful side, I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, it's funny to me watching your interviews, you know, over the last couple of years, so I watch these interviews, and and you'll you'll hear you'll hear the interviewer sort of act like you're an overnight sensation. You know, it's like like I hear him talking to you, and it's like you picked up a guitar for the first time in like 2019, tried to write a song, and Good yeah. Times came out, and you're like, oh, okay, well that's that's good. Well, let's go with this. But like you, yeah, that worked. <laughs> you, you've been playing bars and and shows and writing tunes for uh, 20 years now. Uh, and you know, I was wondering during that time, during the 20 years, there obviously had to be some low points in there. Was it, what, can you think of sort of the lowest point that you were like, you know what, maybe I should just be like a UPS driver. Maybe that's better. <laughs> like, were there any of those points? Hey man, I worked, I worked at UPS, man. And I'll tell you what, man, to all my UPS drivers out there, man, respect. Because yeah. I worked what was called the preload shift. I would do that. Um, preload was from 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. So that, that was my shift, 3 to 9. And we'd load the truck, the delivery trucks. Uh, everything would come in the semis. They'd come on these belts to me. I'd load the delivery trucks so that they could leave out in the morning to do the deliveries. Mm -hmm. But, man, that's a hard job, man. And uh, it's it's hard work, man, and it's not easy work, man. But uh, I... I I'll tell you my lowest my lowest point that that uh that I ever had uh was I had been playing music for about six or seven years every night. So I was working during the day. I've had a million jobs for day jobs, you know. I was an electrician, uh I did insulation work, uh I was a maintenance man at an apartment complex, I uh steam clean carpets, uh just you name it, man, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was always, always doing that and then doing music and hoping that one day I could get music to the point to where it could overtake that and yeah. it could be all I did, you know? But at the time, I was making maybe about 100, 150 bucks a night, mm -hmm. you know? And I had, you know, you got gas, you got taxes, you know, because I was 1099 in myself. And then, oh, yeah. I, you know, you got, uh, you know, you got all your music, exp music equipment expenses. I mean, man, it wasn't much, man. I was scraping by the skin of my teeth, man. And, uh, I was playing this Mexican restaurant one night 
and this is like six, seven years in, like I said. So I'm like seasoned. I, I've been paying my dues, man. Yeah. You know, I played at this point every bar you could think of in Georgia, man. I had played, you know, every honky tonk imaginable, man. Yeah. And I get to the Mexican restaurant and the guys are like, the owner's like, I'm going to need you to set up in the foyer. And I'm like, what's that? And you know, when you first walk into like a restaurant sometimes and there's that little kind of little tiny room before the restaurant where they got like newspaper magazines yeah. and stuff on stands. That's where he wanted me to play. So that's where I set up, man. And I'm literally about one foot away from the front door. So right as people are walking in, there I am singing Sweet Home Alabama in a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and uh, man, I'm like two hours into this gig and I'm just like, man, not feeling good about things. And, uh, and this kid walks up to me. He's maybe like 10 years old and he's looking at me while I'm playing, watching me play. And there's like a glimmer of hope. I was like, hey, man, at least he likes it. You yeah. Know? And then I get done with the song and I'm like, hey, buddy, is uh, anything you want want me to play? I can, I can kind of wing most anything, man. If you name a song, I, I can probably figure it out real quick. He was like, oh, no, I'm good, man. I just want some gum. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I was sitting in front of a gumball machine. Oh man. And I was like I was like, damn, like I just got beat by gum. Like oh. <laughs> well, you can't you and, can't judge it too hard on a on a kid though. I mean gum's pretty high on the priority list for a gum kid. Gum is high, man. Oh. Yeah. True. <laughs> If it if it were like if it were like a fifty year old, then it would feel really bad. (laughs) You ain't lying. That's a good point. That's a good point. Thanks for making me feel better about it, man. I appreciate it. But I'll tell you what, man. There was a it was a real moment for me. A real moment in this not in that exact moment, but after the gig, restaurant's empty. You know, I'm wrapping my cables. It's like you know midnight or whatever and I'm getting in my my beat up van and driving an hour back home you know uh, thinking I just remember thinking man I really want to do this but I don't know if the world wants me back Mm. you know (laughs) how I was feeling you know and I was thinking well maybe this isn't maybe this isn't it maybe I love it with all my heart but maybe it's just not what i'm supposed to do for like a living and that i should find maybe something else in music to do like management or i don't know something else yeah and i told myself i'm gonna give myself another couple months and if there's no movement and if you know because i kind of didn't know where to go from where I, I was doing i was like playing bars and honky tonks and i was like now what i didn't even know nashville existed I didn't even know that was an option, but six weeks later, I'm playing a bar and and that, that changed my whole new path. And I'm really great. I'm so grateful for Zach for that moment because that was a pivotal moment. And I, I believe that in life, we, we encounter moments like this and they're very few and far between moments that can dramatically alter your life for for the greater good, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you seize the opportunity, but mm-hmm. it's just an opportunity. It's a, it's a opportunity, not like a, you, you get it, you know, 
but I was fortunate that all those years of grinding, you know, and working those honky tonk crowds and learning how to like put on a show, working on songwriting every day during, you know, when I had my, my time in between working and gigging, writing songs and getting better at that for years, you know, had prepared me for that moment where I'd be in front of someone who was really good and was blowing up at the time to recognize that within me, there was potential. And I wasn't even, I would consider now looking back on it, I wasn't even very good. I was just probably, I see me now in the way that Zach saw me then. For sure. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, that was, anyways, that was my worst restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, going back to that moment there where you met Zach uh, in Mansion, um, you know, you guys started writing songs, and it, I heard you talk about this. I mean, you started writing songs with Zach just a, a week later. You meet him, and and basically that night yeah. he's like, "Hey, let's let's get together, write some songs." And now you Man, guys, you have written- literally, yeah, it was like five days later or something. He's like, "Come over to my house." I went over to his house. He lived maybe like 15, 20 minutes from me. Um, just like a little like ranch home it was like a three bedroom two bathroom little ranch this is like when chicken he was playing chicken chicken fry was just getting ready to go to radio so he hadn't become zach brown yet yeah but he in georgia he was huge though in georgia he was a big deal and uh i remember went over to his house and we're uh we're hanging out talking he's like you hungry and i was like I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to eat, what you want? Like, you want to order some Domino's or something? He's like, oh, no, I'll make something real quick. Goes in the kitchen, man, and cooks up this, like, steak strips sort of thing with, like, this uh, with like this green sauce on top thing. I don't know what it was, man, but it was unbelievable. And that's that was my first introduction to him being basically like a chef. I mean, I ended up finding out later that he, he basically is – and this dude can cook like you would not believe, man. Like like your grandma cooks, you know, mm. just ridiculously good, good cook, uh, borderline chef. <laughs> and so yeah, man, made some made some food, and then we hung out, and we wrote a really cool song. And then I remember a few months later is when Chicken Fried took off. Yeah, and uh, I'll never forget him doing this though. Was uh, him saying let's write i come over to his house one day to write and chicken and he's now gotten in like i think probably like it like that first big like chicken fried success you know yeah come in you know income or whatever you know mm-hmm. but i mean he had just made it big. so he wasn't like flush like you know crazy superstardom or anything like that you know and at the time i had a beat up vehicle situation that like it was bad you know and i was like every time i was headed to a gig i didn't even know if i was gonna make it to the gig because of my vehicle's reliability you know and i just remember him getting on top of a chair we were in his like living room and he walked over to the dining room and he got up on a chair i, I don't know even i i hope he's already right telling this story because i've never told it before but i don't think he'd mind but <laughs> He got up on a chair and, and grabbed like a box off of the top of top of this this like kind of like display thing in his dining room mm-hmm. and opened up the box and it was just full of money. <laughs> and and uh, he, he just 
pulled out like 10 grand and handed it to me. It was just like, go get you a car, man. It wasn't an insane amount of money. It might have been like 20 grand or something, you know, but it was insane to me. I've never seen anything like that, you know, a chief on sash or something. You know, it's just crazy when I think back on it that like he dug that deep for me, you know, um, he wasn't sitting in a position to really do something like that. I don't think back then, um, but he did it anyways, you know, yeah. and I'll never forget that. Yeah. It means a lot. sharing that. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, and, I, and it changed everything for me and enabled me to get to my gigs and enabled me to, to reliably like uh, do a lot of things, uh, uh, write songs with him you know, and I was able to pay him back. And, uh, I had never experienced kindness like that before generosity, like before from standing, you know, uh, like I said, like, uh, meeting, that was my first time meeting somebody who saw real potential in me. And before that I, I was really losing confidence in myself and the confidence of that one person. And then the actual like backing to like, financial backing in that way that he did something like that, that showed me now it wasn't just words. Now it was like, this dude really believes in me, man. Like, yeah, he sees that like I got a broke down ride and like, he just threw me 10 grand to go get like a, to go get a, uh, and I ended up going and get like a, uh, like a gigantic, like used uh, suburban and so that we could all like, that was basically like our tour bus, like a mini tour bus. Nice. <laughs> but, um, and that's what we traveled in. But it was all possible because of him, you know. It's it's awesome to hear that that he did that, and uh, I think maybe too at the same time you probably should have told him the box wasn't the best storage for his money. Maybe you should have been like <laughs> maybe like a, a bank Zach. I don't know something that's be a little bit safer. You could try it out. I don't know. <laughs> Man, this was like this was like no lie. I mean, you got to think this had this was before chicken fries, so I think this might have been like sixteen years ago. Uh, I mean, it was a different time. And, and, and me and him, man, we're from the country, man. We we was out there, man. But now, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's all locked up uh, very securely in a bank. And yeah, yeah, all that good stuff. But no, seriously, looking back on it, I think that was his, like, emergency fund-like staff. Get, you know? Get the safety valve. The safety valve. Well, you, uh, you co-wrote some yeah, of my favorite. The, the Hit the fan. <laughs> well you uh you you co-wrote some of my favorite zach brown songs uh day that i die homegrown island song um and i was you know i was listening to uh on the day that i die i i love amos lee he's one of my favorite singers but you know i, cu I couldn't help but but thinking when i was listening Me? to that song I, I was like this this sort of fits exactly for Nico, like, why? Like, was there any point in time that when they were setting that song up, you were like, you know, I I could sing that if you want. If you want me to jump in, I could sing that. Well, you know, at the time, you know, I just I was full time songwriting, and so it really wasn't an op I think an option at the moment, you know. And when Zach brought up the idea of Amos singing with him on it, I almost like came out of my skin because Amos Lee's one of my favorite artists of all times. Uh, Mission Bell is in my top 10 albums. Mm -hmm. Um, I just 
You know, I love it. And, and through Zach, I actually have been able to meet, meet him, hang out with him a few times. He's a great dude. And so that was for me a huge like bucket list check mm. to have something that I wrote be sung by an artist I was more than happy. And, you know, I remember writing that song. Um, I remember writing like the chorus mm. and I was playing at Tin Roof, Atlanta. Um, and it, on a Sunday night, I wasn't even playing that. I wasn't even playing. I was sitting in. It was like on Sunday nights at Tin Roof in Atlanta, they would have these like kind of like in the round nights where yeah, if you show up, you just sit in. And now all of the like artists in Atlanta, the Atlanta area would like go up there. So Zach, me, John Mayer would pop in sometimes. Um, I mean, it was crazy who would show up, but. Uh, I was like singing a couple songs and Wyatt Durrett, who is a co-writer of Zach's, he wrote, including myself, um, he came in and I was like, from the mic, I just remember being like, Wyatt, and he came up to the stage and I leaned down and was just like, I, I got this song out there called Day That I Die, I got a chorus, but I need to write, I, I, need, I need help with the verses. And he was like, all right, let's go. Let's write it tomorrow. I was like, okay. So, uh, so I think we just ended up just having drinks and, you know, shutting it down that night. And then he, he lived like 10 minutes away from that 10 roof. So we just went back to his house, crashed, woke up the next day, wrote the song and immediately was like, man, this is a Zach, this is a Zach song. And, 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 and I, and I know I'm, I think if I was an artist at the time, I probably would have been like, I'm cutting this, you know? But at the time, it wasn't in my mindset because I was full-time songwriting. So my mind immediately was just like, Zach's going to love this. That's, I think, very much Zach's heart as well. It's like yeah. all three of us really related to that, you know? And so we left the bridge open. We wrote the verses together, left the bridge open because Zach has this really unique ability uh to write bridges really mm. good. I don't know what it is about him and bridges, but like, like he can kill a bridge like crazy. It, if you're ever listening to like a song, like a Zach, it's, well, a Zach Brown band song, and mm -hmm. it goes somewhere just like you don't see it coming. Field. Yeah, yeah, and you don't see it coming. Like on Homegrown, you know, it's the weight that you carry on that moment, mm -hmm. and you just feel your head kind of go like this. That's that, <laughs> and that that's the that's the beauty of of what he can bring to a song is he's able to kind of like hear hear that like original kind of like idea and the, the the meat of it and then say okay now where do we where do we take it to this other place that gives your ears like a break and almost a little bit of a, a vacation for a second yeah um that is like and you don't see it coming so you also kind of get surprised which is your ears like you know there's some way to come back and you're like oh we're back oh that was so cool he is really good at that thing yeah. doing that thing and uh for whatever reason uh I, I struggle with that uh i think compared to other aspects of songwriting and so that makes for like a, a good team a good songwriting team you know and so we we just couldn't crack the bridge brought the bridge to him and he wrote the bridge killed it nice. and then yeah and so uh, that's how the song came to be. Nice, nice. Well, now um, I actually I noticed something 
you brought up homegrown, and I noticed something sort of a a a, a continuation in lyrics around you, if you will. I noticed, you know, in, in homegrown, you say we got a fire going down by the riverside, and in good times, your song, you got past that bottle around the campfire. And I noticed we've got some exciting news for you because you've got a fire pit at your house now. So you're bringing those lyrics to life at your house. Finally, man. You know, um, when I moved to Nashville, I moved to Nashville, like proper, uh, right next to Bluebird Cafe. Like, I was a one-minute walk from Bluebird Cafe. So it was awesome because I I wanted to be, me and Anna, my wife, we just wanted to be in the middle of Nashville so that we could really absorb the culture of Nashville and the music and music city and all that, you yeah. know, cause we're from both of us from small town, Georgia. So, uh, it was a lot of fun and we had six years living down there, but we like a year or two ago really started missing the general like pace of life of just living outside of a, a big city, you know? And even though it was, so much fun it was kind of one of the things where it's like and we just had our our first baby so we're like in family time now so it just made sense to get a little bit of land move out and kind of like get back a little bit i guess you could say to our roots and kind of how we grew up because we really want to provide our daughter with a environment that was similar to how we grew up because i think it it can be really helpful you know like being out in nature and and all that good stuff. But, you know, we're not that far from Nashville. We're only 40 minutes away yeah. from Nashville, so 45 minutes. So we can get to town, no problem. And, and and I do go to town all the time, you know. But when we're home, we're away, Yeah, you know. Nice. Uh, and, yeah, I just got the fire pit built up in the backyard. As you can see, just got the firewood. <laughs> so it's our crane pit. Um, it's cause everybody's just got one in the backyard. And yeah. so when you go over and vis- visit and just hang out with friends and family and stuff, inevitably, a lot of times you find yourself around a fire pit in someone's backyard, whether it's on the patio or it's a big, you know, a big bonfire going on in the backyard or whatever, you know I mean? It's just, uh, to me, a lot of, a lot of good memories were formed around uh fire. Nice. And, uh, and and so for whatever reason, I just strongly identify with it. Yet yet for some reason, when you get around it, and you, you know, you just get some couple drinks and a guitar, and and people that people that are good conversation, you know, you end up just having the best time. And and it didn't cost a dime, you yeah. know. And there's a lot to be said for that. And right. I think that's why I talk about being at the water a lot too, because I also got a lot of great memories growing up of being on the walk, being on the lake. Yeah. You know, growing up, uh, I, I wasn't lucky enough to grow grow up on the lake, like on a lakeside house, but I went to the lake a lot, you know, and then on vacations going down to Panama City and thir- the 38th Strip and going to the beach, you know, yeah. was such a huge part of my childhood experience, too. And so those sorts of experiences are just organic and they're just being in nature and enjoying and, and enjoying the beauty of of nature and then and then uh people you care about and to me if you kind of suss life all down to it and get rid of all like the things of life you know i think the most meaningful and enjoyable things in life a lot of times don't cost a dime that's right that is right well, you uh you mentioned your wife 
and uh, you know she's she's a big part of what you do. She collaborated on every single song you co-wrote, every song on the the debut album with uh, with your wife. And uh, I, I was wondering, was she was she one of the reasons that you got back into being a solo artist? I mean, you know, you you said you had focused on songwriting, and I know it was around sometime around the time that you met her that you actually started going back into the Nico Moon solo project. Was was that a big push from her? You know, it wasn't a big push from her. You know, she was just like, listen, I just want you to be happy and fulfilled in life, you know, and, and especially musically since she knows I'm a musical person. You know, I just, some people... For whatever reason, you know, some people, I think it can be with other, obviously with other things like painting or whatever else, but some people it's with music and for whatever reason, our brains are wired to where we're so obsessed with it that, um, when we're not doing it, we're thinking about doing it and you know what I mean? And like, and there's no turning it off. And if you try to like avoid it, then it just gets louder you know, and so she knew that music is, is, is a thing that I'll, I just kind of am and will always do because she's the same way. So she was just like, listen, like whatever you want to do in music, you know, I got, I got you. And, but I came to her one day and said, I want to do the artist thing. And that's because I had just felt very strongly for a long time that as much fun as I have helping other artists create mm-hmm. and do their thing. Cause that is fun, man, because in order to do that, you got to like, disappear mm-hmm. like there is no nico moon it's it's only them you yeah. know and you're just putting all your creative force and energy in that into blowing up whatever their thing is you know so for me like the best songwriters figure out what it is about the artist that's really special and unique to them and then how to how do you shine a light on that as much as possible that special thing about them and every artist has their own different things that are special. Sometimes it's your voice, like your tone. Sometimes it's like your songwriting ability or it, it depends. Doing my own music, you know, I just felt like there was a message that I really uh, wanted to get out there that I felt like was important. And that is the positive, you know, aspect of my music, you know? Yeah. And I've just been so highly affected by artists like like Bob Marley, for instance, you know, Bob Marley's music is without a doubt positive, mm-hmm. you know, and it has brought so m- much love and and good things into the world. Mm-hmm. The mu- the music has it's literally like a audible medicine, or something, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's been so helpful for people, you know, in so many ways. It's like, oh, and when you go to go go to that place, I mean, his music is just so synonymous with happiness it's that's how that's how positive it is you know and i think that uh that's valuable and important not that every artist is that way no because music is a piece of a pie and all the emotions of the human experience need to be represented i think Mm -hmm. by artistry but i do think it's important that some artists take up that torch of positivity and optimism because it is an important and vital attribute uh to the human experience and getting through the human experience in a healthy way yeah you know a hundred percent and so i i just looked at like country music in general one day one one 
I've always looked at country music this way, but then there was this one day where it just became like, I have to do something about it kind of thing where I just kind of looked at it and was like, I don't see like any representation of only like an artist that's putting nothing but like positivity out there, mm-hmm. you know? And not like as a knock or anything in any kind of way, because every other artist is just doing their thing, right? That's when it kind of all clicked with me. It's like, oh, because that's me. Like, I'm that like slot in the pot. You yeah. know what I mean? For this particular thing, it's like, I was kind of looking for a change. I wish I could see. I was like, man, I wish there was like a, like a, a, a musical artist that kind of like was like that, how Bob Marley is to reggae music or whatever. Like, I wish there was like that in cu- the country space, because I would like, love to listen to that artist and i was like wait i do music (laughs) that's me i can do that and then it's just i I, I like had this realization it was like that's my heart like my heart is so strong for that because that's what i love so much that's what i'm gonna make you know that's what i'm supposed to be doing with my life is making that kind of music and when everyone kind of like has that click of like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing with myself in this life, you know, kind of moment. That was me. I kind of had the click. I was like, oh, and I felt like everything up to then, whether it was like songwriting for Zach Brown Band and other artists like Morgan and Dirks or um, all that time of playing honky tonks and everything, like all of it, my interest in music as a kid, all of it culminated into this realization that like I'm supposed to be creating unique music uh, as an artist, making it for myself that that is centered around this this aspect, you know, this nice. thing. Nice. Well, I, I want to talk about that place, but real quick before we talk about the, the music you've been making as a solo artist, uh, you, you mentioned you, you and your wife not only collaborated on music, you collaborated on uh, Tiny Human, uh, Lily Ann, your uh, daughter, congratulations. Yeah. I, I was wondering, as far well, two things. One, uh, you strike me as the type of dad that's going to be a potential future co-conspirator with your daughter for shenanigans that are going to make your wife angry. Does that seem like you? Are you going to be that dad? You know, I'm not normally like a, like a, a pranky person. Because I don't like getting pranked. And so I know, you know, you get what you get. It's a law of the universe, <laughs> right? And so, but I probably am going to do a little something, like, because it's her, you know? And <laughs> and just, I got to, I can already tell, like, if she if she's wanting to do a thing, or is like, oh, let's do this, I'm going to be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> well, that's... That, that's but heads up, we're going to get in trouble. Just know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's what I noticed. I mean, you obviously, you love to smile, and I noticed it. But when I saw, when I see your smile, sometimes it's the smile of, hey, this smile is going to get us out of shenanigans. Hold on a second. I, yep. I can see it happening in the future. But give me one thing that you did not expect when you were becoming a parent. So, like, you know, before you became a parent, you oh, okay. didn't see see happening, man. Um, God, there are so many things I just didn't know about, and maybe I was just uneducated. But I just never knew. Like I didn't know that you were born blind, basically, as a baby. Yeah, uh, and colorblind. Yeah, uh, and so that she's like learning how to see over time, you know. And so watching her mm-hmm. kind of like watching her like get better at seeing has been 
really fun. Uh, uh, watching, oh, she discovered her hands recently, and that was really yeah. cool. Something I never saw coming. Yeah. Uh, I just assumed something that comes. I just remember like she like kind of like was catching them. I don't remember happening with it. What is that? And then when she made that connection that she had hands. It was like you. I could see the light bulb switch on, and like, oh, like oh. <laughs> that was cool. There's all these like, like, uh, it wasn't something big. It's like all these little revelations that I didn't know about that you get to like be a part of, you know? Yeah, build them up over time. I mean, you know, it's 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 a lifetime. It's a lifetime. Well, let's uh, let's talk about that that current music that you that you learned that you were supposed to make the the good times music and i mean uh good time itself sort of the anthem for that idea it's three times platinum you literally have hundreds of millions of streams around the world on this on this song and it still blows me away though when you because you originally had the song you pitched it for other artists you know, this was a, the originally when you wrote it. This was a song that you were written again in your songwriting sort of state of mind, and it blows me away. There were no artists that wanted to sing it. There were no artists that took a bite on it. And I mean, yeah, I I can't believe how wrong people are on that. Does it, I mean, does it still amaze you when you look back and go, nobody, nobody wanted this. Why didn't anybody want this? No, no, it don't surprise me, man. It don't surprise me at all, to be honest with you. Because um, uh, looking back on it, when I listened to the demo, it was it was slower than I ended up cutting it. Mm. I demoed it slower, so it kind of feels a little dragging. And then also, um, beats just were not a part of country music when I was when I first like kind of came to Nashville and was songwriting, yeah. you know, just, just, you know, just in the littlest bits of like a little like trap hat in a chorus or something or for a moment, but not like full songs that were just right. like trap beat the whole, the whole song. But where I grew up, I grew up in Georgia and my town, everybody was listening to country and hip hop and that was it. That's what everybody listened to. So, yeah my little my brain was just listening to those two things and so i love the sound of hip-hop drums you know and, and 808 bass you know yeah. i just love the sound of it but i love the sound of organic drums and organic bass too it's just i like it all but there's a certain sort of bounce to the beat you know and so uh i i remember my my publisher telling me it was probably around that same time uh hey maybe you should like chill out on the beats with the demos because we're having a hard time pitching your songs right now. Getting, we're having a hard time getting cuts on your songs that we're pitching because, uh, the other, uh, record labels, managers, artists, whoever they are, you know, are having a hard time hearing, hearing the song past the beats. Yeah. Cause what I would say is I just feel like, well, if they're the, it, you know, if they're the kind of artist that doesn't do that kind of stuff, you know, then just, imagine it with regular drums <laughs> but it's the kind of thing where like they really like to hear it exactly like how and that you know that was a good lesson for me uh when i first got to town because i think at first i was a little kind of put off by that because i was like man now i gotta like conform how i naturally like to make music to like 
what you want it to be. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, no, this is songwriting. It doesn't work like that song. I'm making it for them. And I had to come back to like, it's just like with songwriting in the lyrical aspect with the music. It's like, it doesn't need to sound like a Nico Movement song. It needs to sound like them. And when I made that like connection, I started getting cuts like crazy. Cause then when I was like writing a song for Blake Shelton or writing a song for Dirk Spinley, I would demo it to sound just like their, their music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, and then I was, that was a good learning experience for me. So there's so many songwriters in town. I mean, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of songs are getting written every day in town. There's only so many songs that can get cut. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is that there's so many highly talented songwriters in town that a lot of really, really, really great songs don't get cut. And it has nothing to do with the song itself. I think a lot of people will feel like at first, like when they move to town, like, but this song is great. Why did it get cut? It's like, man, because there was literally a hundred other great songs that got written today too. And there's just only so many that can get released out there. Yeah. And, uh, it's just kind of how it goes, you know? And so, um, you get thick skin, you get really thick skin after a while living here and you just, you realize it's like, okay, don't take it personal. It's not personal. And as long as you've got a good publisher who will be pitching your songs out there, then just focus on writing the best song you can and write one every day. And then everything will take care of itself, you know, and don't worry about what gets cut or what doesn't, you know, just write a, write a song a day. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're at the end of the year, you're going to have over 300 songs. And then at five years, you know, you're going to have what? 1500. You know, 1500 songs. It's a lot. It, Eventually, eventually the needles will get through the haystack. Eventually, as long as you keep making great ones, some will rise to the top. It's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I sort of always think when you when you brought up, you know, when you, when you bring up like going against great artists, you know, we had Josh Turner on uh, uh, last year, and uh, he um, he brought up the story, you know, his, his biggest song that he has is Your Man. And um, he uh, that, that was a uh, Chris Stapleton song. And, you know, when I was talking to him about the song, he was like, uh, yeah, Chris Stapleton was on the demo and he was singing it. And I was just like, so... So you heard the song and it's and it's Chris Stapleton singing it back to you. I was like, did he sound like Chris Stapleton? And he's like, he's like, yeah. And I was just like, and you and you didn't hear that and just go, what am I doing? This guy is like, why, why isn't this guy? Let me guy? tell you something, man. The anomaly of Chris is a crazy thing because for, for people out there, just to kind of get a little behind the scenes on Chris Stapleton, Chris was in, has been in Nashville in the songwriting world for years and years and years long before he was ever an artist and everybody in town knew Chris, man. Like I'm not saying on a personal level, I'm yeah. saying on a professional level, everyone knew who Chris was because everyone knew that Chris was one of the greatest songwriters in town and he was writing for everybody. And if you just took a random drive down music road one day, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, there's a very good chance you would have seen Chris Ableton with a, his guitar case walking down on his way to a ride. He was writing constantly. He was also touring constantly during doing uh, the Still Drivers, which was his bluegrass band. Yeah. And then the Johnson Brothers, which was his like rock band, 
you know. I mean, Chris had been doing the thing for a very, 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 very long time. Everybody knew how talented he was. I had been scratching my head for literally like five years about Chris Stapleton on why he wasn't the biggest thing of all biggest things. Yeah. For five years, I mean, for the longest. I just remember thinking, what does a guy have to do to to make it? Because Chris Stapleton literally has the greatest voice you could have. And his songs are like the best. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. This dude is making, like, in my opinion, the highest of high quality, the point one percent quality great music of all music creators out there any genre i don't care you know yeah that's just the level that he's at in my opinion in my opinion it's just my opinion but i'm saying you know um but you know it's just for whatever reason there wasn't like he hadn't had that moment that like catalyst moment that exposed him to the world yeah. and then when he did that performance with Justin Timberlake of Tennessee Whiskey at the award show, that was it, you know? And that's, it. The, for one, the performance was crazy. but And everyone's like, oh my God, did you see what Chris Stapleton did? I was, and it was like, yeah, I did see what he did. It was crazy. But also, just so y'all know, he's been it. doing that yeah. every day for years, y'all. For years, this dude, and, and it's recorded. It's out there. Traveler had been out for a long time. It ain't yeah. like Traveler wasn't out. Traveler didn't come out two weeks before he did that award show. It had been out, you know, and it, it kind of made a little impact, but not much, man. But that performance went viral because yeah. it was so powerful and, and, and it just spread like wildfire and wild, wildfire. And it led the whole, and it made the whole world aware. And once the whole world was aware of him, that was it. That's all it took, you know? And to me with great artists, that's usually all a great artist needs, man. You don't have to like slam a great artist down everybody's throat for a million years to, to get them to digest the music or to like be a fan of the music or anything yeah. within average artists you'll have to do that you'll constantly have to push them you know but with someone who's as great as chris Hampton, you've really just got to like make Hear everybody it. aware yeah yeah now, <laughs> and that's it it's like once people are aware they're like now i know about that yeah i i, rem I remember when i first heard the I'm steel not drivers i know that now you know i mean when i first heard the steel drivers i yeah. was just like who who is singing who is this this is insane like it blew what me away this? yeah Definitely. What is happening to my ears right now? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Well, now, yeah. um, I mean, seeing as how successful Good Times was, um, are you nervous about releasing new material? You know, I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't in the sense that there's always a level of anxiety involved in being, just being an artist, you know. We are notorious artists are for uh, being insecure, you know, just because you, when you pour yourself, your heart and soul into something, and then you put it out there for the world to judge and to make their own assessment on if it's good or not. Um, and that's totally like, you know, everyone's going to do that. And that's totally fine to do. I do the same thing with when, if I like a song or not, you know, I get, you sit there and you listen to it, you know, but it's nerve wracking and it does, it's a little anxiety inducing, but at the same time, that, like I said, that compulsion, that like, that, that literal like need to have to create and create something that you personally find to be, uh, uh, meaningful and important, you know, hoping that it resonates in the way that something did. You know, I think every artist probably is going to like judge everything they do to 
is the mark of like their greatest work yet, you know, or their most acclaimed work yet. And like, for me, I look at it almost like I, I grew up doing sports, you know, so I ran track in college and played basketball in high school. I just, I love sports. And so, uh, I like thinking of it as like, uh, competition against myself. It's not against anyone else. And, and I think that's an important for anyone out there who's, in, who's an artist in any sort of field to, to remember that this isn't a competition against anybody else, you know, like yeah. as a country music artist, I'm not in competition with any other country artist, just for myself to see how good can I possibly get at music? It, 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 how, what's the best music I can personally make? That's all. That's the best I can do. You know what I nice. mean? Yeah. I just focus on that, that that's what's going to bring about the, the personal like fulfillment out of this. And it's also what's going to bring about like the connection with people out there, you know, and if you do that, I, I, I personally feel like you'll find your people. You will find your your family of music people that vibe what you do, you yes. know? Yeah. Um, but I am really excited about the new music. Uh, of, I mean, obviously, it's going to be feel good as it super feel good. Uh, Heaven as a Bar is a song I've been teasing recently out there. Uh, it's, a, it's a really tongue-in-cheek song mm -hmm. meant to be taken very lightly, you know. I'm just saying, uh, hey, you know, I hope when I get to heaven that there's a bar there, you know, so uh, <laughs> we can head over and, uh, you know, I can buy a round for everybody, you know, and celebrate making it, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just a funny thought, and uh, I just thought it would be a really, a really kind of like funny party song you know sure. drinking song to have uh better with you is another song that i've been teasing that's unreleased it's like a love song and it kind of like has like a little bit of like a 90s hip-hop kind of swing to it nice um that for me uh I, I grew up on you know and so i love uh a lot of 90s hip-hop oh, yeah. uh, and so uh, especially the, the the drums that kind of have a swing to it so this is the first time i've swung a song nice. before so i'm excited for people to kind of like see what that feels like. I personally had a lot of fun doing it. I think I'm going to swing a couple more just because you kind of think of melodies and lyrics a little differently when you're singing to a swung beat. Yeah. Um, and it's a totally like different vibe from heaven as a bar and, uh, yet still like super feel good. You yeah. know, um, one thing I can say is that I'm going to have features on, um, the new, the, some of the new music that's coming out. Nice. Every song is kind of a feature, but some of the songs will, and so, um, I can't believe I pulled these features off <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm kind of like, like I'm surprised myself. And like I said, I high bar to like try to get some great features. So I thought, you know, it's time to like collaborate with other artists. You know, I did a collaboration with Shaggy, but that was a little different in that, um, a, it was outside the country space and B, it was, um, I kind of like sent the song off and it was already a done song right. and then he kind of remixed it. But this is like true collaboration and, uh, uh, uh people from the country space as well. I'll give that hint. Mm. Um, and people that I'm super excited about, about getting and artists that I personally really respect because they're songwriters as well and they create their own music. Um, they have a heavy hand in creating their own music. And so we connect in that way. Uh, and so I got a lot of respect for them as creators as well. So super excited uh, for y'all to hear these features, um, for y'all to hear all the other songs other than other than the couple I've been teasing. Yeah. The album is 12, 12 songs in total. Um, 
I'm not going to drop the name of the album yet, but it's based, it's the second album. So the first album was Good Time. The second release that I did was the Coasting EP. It was a five song. Yeah. I like to think of it as like a vacation EP. Yeah. Um, and, and now I'm dropping my second full length album. Nice. Uh, and uh, it's coming out this year and I'm super excited for everybody to hear it. And, but uh, yeah, these first songs that I'm teasing, those are the ones that are coming out the soonest and they're coming out very, very, very soon. Like nice. soon, soon. Like right around the corner. And I'll be good. I'll be giving uh, updates on my socials like here really soon on exactly like when, and if there's features involved, who that might be. So, awesome. Awesome. Y'all, like, the, 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 these next few months are going to be really exciting. Like, I can't wait for everybody to kind of, like, see what I've been up to creatively because I've been working so hard here at the studio when I haven't been on tour on this music. Me and Anna have been writing, talking upstairs in, in the recording studio uh, with Josh. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work. Uh, brought in a lot of ridiculous musicians from Nashville to come over and, and play on it. And um, just super excited for everybody to hear what I've been up to uh, musically. And I guess kind of like phase two yeah. of the Nico Moon discography and the music. Nice. Well, I mean, good time. Uh, I'll put in my uh, suggestion for the second album. Good time, second album, better time. How about that? Even <laughs> even better time, you know? just uh, Gooder just, time. There you go. Gooder time. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Well, Nico, I don't want to take up any more of your time, man. Uh, we want you to get back having a good time there, hopefully having a, having a fire soon. But we will see you down here on the 31st. I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, y'all. I can't wait for the show. Florida is literally like my spirit state, y'all. Like, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, like, if, if I can finagle a way to where at some point in, in, in my career that I can – split my time between Nashville and Florida, uh, somewhere in Florida, uh, man, I will definitely be doing that. I got so much love down in Florida. It's crazy. Every time I come to Florida, me and the boys that I tour with, we always are talking about how amazed we are at the reception. I feel like it might be one of my strongest, if not my strongest state in the U S as far as followership and, and like excitement, like, the love is strong in Florida, and I want y'all to know that I know that, and I appreciate that. Thank y'all. It's it's coming right back to you. It's coming back to you. They're excited to see you, and they will see you on March 31st there at the Clay County Fair. If you don't have time to check out the show, make sure you check out all of his music on streaming services. Make sure you follow him for all of those updates on the new music on social media at Nico Moon right now. Let's take a listen to All That We Need right here on the Doc G Show. We got the real thing, and that's all that we need. That's all that we need. Here on the Doc G Show, Nico Moon, Mike. Nico, my goodness. Such a nice guy, you know? Yeah, seriously. Beautiful human being. 
You know, it's one of those. It's one of those guys. How hard he's working, how long he's been in the uh, music industry. I, I don't have any questions of why he's. I only have questions of why he's not more popular. You know. Yeah. Like, there's no questions of like, how did he get where he's at now? No, I get it. Hard work and being a super nice guy. Uh, Lots you know. of reps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just playing all the time, writing all the time, making awesome tunes. Being out there with people like Zach Brown uh, and just, uh, you know, getting it done. And then mm -hmm. taking over an hour to talk to two bags like me and you. Like, that's fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah. my bad, Mike. One bag and a Mike uh, Charette, you know? No, like, I'm a, I'm a bag. <laughs> no, no. Don't take me out of that, Ben. <laughs> I am one, too, all right? <laughs> yeah, regardless, you know, him being super nice to talk to us, that's fantastic. And, like, that that amount of time, you know, and, and being that popular as he is, like a dude with that many, uh, with a, uh, a triple platinum song, he could easily be like, what? What show wants to, to interview? No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, but yeah. he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then he's just... He's just hanging out in his barn by himself, just chatting away, yeah. you know? Not only that, but he, like, shared these, like, exclusive stories with us. He said he never told anybody. He never, I mean, you know, guys probably say that, but I don't think this guy ever told these stories because he was like, I don't know if I should say this. Yeah. You know, I, I love it when guys do that. And it's really, uh, it was just so interesting yeah. what Zach Brown did for him. Yeah. Amen. Amen, Mike. Uh, so uh, we've got another uh, we've got another connection there for uh, the Doc G Top Three. Which, speaking of Mike, we do need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Doc G Top Three. That is correct. Now, Mike, uh, I, I stumbled upon something that's easier for me to come up with topics, and I like doing it, which is. Whoever our guest is of that week, I think of a topic that goes along with whatever they're doing, right? So mm -hmm. I have a topic that goes along with uh, with Nico Moon for next week. Uh, and okay. for this week, uh, we had a topic from Sam Morell. And the topic yeah. was, what are the three worst states to do stand-up hmm. in? Because me and Sam talked about how uh, you have your areas of every state that are pretty horrible to do comedy in. And I said, let's let's widen it. Let's do whole states. What are the worst states? I, I don't I don't think I have any curveballs in mind, Mike. I think you from real experience may have some curveballs. Mine, when people think of them, I think I can give you a fairly good reasoning of why it would make sense that these would not be good states to do comedy in. But regardless, Mike, uh, do you have any honorable mentions? No. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, then, your number three, what do you have? Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to do mine first, so you'll okay. have yours last since yours is actually from experience. So my number okay. my number three, South Dakota. South ah, Dakota. Nice. I, and, okay. and, and I think a lot of people out there would probably go like, well, why not North Dakota? But, like, I think North Dakota gets how weird of a state they are. That's a fact. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think they understand they're on the edge of no man's land. Like, that they're just out there. They don't have any, like, any great monuments or anything that are going to bring anybody there. So they're just like, all right, yeah, we'll go see a comedy show. And we'll laugh at how weird we are here in North Dakota. That's a fact. We only have mm -hmm. Fargo. That's all we have. 
We have Fargo, right? But like South Dakota, they embrace who they are. Like they've got Mount Rushmore, they've got the Badlands, they got Sturges. Like they think they're pretty cool. And I don't see they 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 want to be demanded to be entertained and not be demeaned as far as their state. I don't think it'd go well. Girl, come on. I don't think I I just think it'd be bad. I think there'd be too much respect for their own state. Wouldn't be good. That's just my idea. So I don't know. Yeah, Mike, sounds, if, all these things sound like pretty accurate. If I'm scheduling I, yeah. you for comedy shows until they demand you to come to South Dakota, I'm not booking you in South Dakota, just to let you know. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. Uh, and I appreciate that. Live shows, until we get South Dakota at the top of our uh, our listeners, we're not coming to South Dakota. You got to win us over, South yeah. Dakota, not vice versa. You got to come to us. Wow. Come to True. us, South Dakota, yeah. or at least meet us in the middle. Huh? Mike, you're number three. So my number three, um, I went with the uh, smartest uh, state in the country, oh. which was actually, which was actually Massachusetts. But I performed in Massachusetts, and they're they're pretty cool. You know, yeah, they're, they're good people. Um, no. But um, so my number three would be New Hampshire. Would be a close mm. second. I don't think I would do very well in New Hampshire. Very slow. My comedy is very uh, simple and easy, and I just think that these people have uh, higher standards for for speaking, public speaking, and I just don't. Think ah. I don't know, man. I think, you know, I think they, it's sort of like Sam said about Massachusetts, though, you know, like, and like you said, like, I feel like th th most people think of, of like Bostonites being those, those bad hecklers, but it is yeah. like, they're also, they want to have a good time. And they're the people mm -hmm. like all the mass holes I know, you know, they're proud mass holes. So true. So like, it, they're not like they're angry, but at the same time, if you start making fun of them for being angry, they will embrace it, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I do suck. It's true." <laughs> yeah. It's like you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So like, I I think almost like neutrality. I could see like New Hampshire being just too neutral. You know, just like, mm, mm -hmm. well, we're here to show. Uh, yeah. 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 I could see that. I could see that. Mike, um, my number two, Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Nebra I just feel like most vulgar jokes are frowned upon in the Cornhusker yeah. state. Yeah. You Good know? Point. I, ju I just <laughs> feel like you, whatever you say will not be met with laughter. Because mm, their yeah. Midwest sensibilities will overcome them, and they'll be like, mm, "We don't, we don't agree with that." No. Yeah, no. I feel that way too. We don't stand for that here. That. This is this is the middle of America. You wash your this mouth out with soap. You know, like yeah. I feel like that. I who knows? I could be wrong again. Omaha, prove me wrong. You know, we're gonna yeah. have a live show. I'm gonna start out that live show with just a. A spew of vulgarity. I'm just going to start it out. See what you guys say. If you like it, Wait, yeah. what? we'll keep doing it. We'll keep doing Let it. Let them know what we're about right up top. Obviously. Anyways. Obviously. <laughs> That's all this show is. Mike, you're number two. All right, so my number two is actually close to your number one, or your number three. It was North Dakota. And the reason mm. why I chose North Dakota, Doc G, is, again, I looked at the, the smartest states. 
Yeah. And then I saw North Dakota was like top five or something like that. Really? And then I was like, oh, and then also they're uh, they're just so yeah, just so rural. And uh, I I go kind of hard in the paint when it comes to like religious jokes. I like mm. making fun of that stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just don't think that they would like me at all. I just don't. I think it would be a tough. I think it'd be a tough. I, I, I have hats off to them as far as the uh, as far as the education. I didn't know that. I, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't hey, know. you know, it was a quick Google search, Doctor. I mean, it was. It wasn't like, comprehensive. Like yeah. Not sure. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I didn't do a bunch of uh, different uh, samples. Uh, okay. Of results, you know, okay. So Understandable. Google said. Regardless, yeah. yeah. Let's believe them. They've got AI. It's good. Um, yeah. Huh? Number one on my list, Mike. Wyoming. Yeah. Wyoming. Yeah, now, see it. Uh, Wyoming, a couple reasons, Mike. So I did a little Google, and this is, uh, you. Uh, well, a lot of people don't need Google for this, but it's got the lowest population in the country as well. So, like, <laughs> yeah. who's coming to your show? Like, it's just going to be... Even in the biggest cities, and I put cities in quotation, you're still going to have a hard time finding people out there. And then it yeah. just seems like everybody in Wyoming takes themselves too seriously. That's a fact. Like, you know, like outdoors and nature Like, I get it's cool and it looks awesome, but they, they just all like, it's all like cowboys, like serious yeah. cowboys. Mm-hmm. Not, not like Cowboy Kent, but like, hey... That's not to be joked about, youngster. Now get on yeah. your get on your horse and ride. Or, you know, like no laughing here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, pass. So sorry, Wyoming. Not happening. I can I can totally see that. Yeah. All right, Mike. Yeah, you're number one. That'd be great. My number one uh, would probably be Alaska, uh, and maybe not because of them, but more so because of me. I'm not. That's a fact. You know, I've been I've realized this year I'm not really a huge fan of cold weather. I mean, mm. I I'm I just not a fan of it. I think it makes me a little grumpy. And it makes me a little annoyed. And I it think makes that me very if I went grumpy, to Alaska, Mike. yeah, right. And it, I feel I feel like if I went to Alaska, even though we're out there in the, the tundra, whatever you call it, I don't think I would be very enthusiastic about it. And I think that would come out in the show. And I, I don't think it would be against the Alaskans. I think it would be more my problem. Oh, on top of that, Mike, you got to travel there. Yeah, yeah, it's a long, long flight. Yeah, got to take basically. a long flight to get to a cold yeah. place. No, thank you. Mm-mm. No offense. It's like you said. No offense to the people, Mike. That's a that's it's a probably com- not them. That's a complete environment them. thing. You know, yeah. that's a completely environment thing. And and that's the thing is most places with really crappy environments have really good people. You know. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is you got to get to those people, and that means you have to go through the crappy environment. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, thank you. Like, exactly. I mean, like, no, Minnesota, negative 30? Ugh. But that was the thing. When I was judging, the the fact that they had such good people outweighed the crappy environment of Minnesota. And I was like, okay, all right. I, c- I could make yeah. it there. But, like, in South Dakota, crappy environment, nobody's there, and they take themselves too seriously. Nope, can't do it. Too many nah, things weighed on it. So it was a very scientific uh, result, Mike. Very scientific results. Mm-hmm. Regardless, Mike, that is the Doc G top three. Mike, next week's topic: <laughs> Nico Moon. We were just yes. talking about it at the start of the show. 
he got a uh, he got a uh, fire pit in his backyard. That's a fact. And then during the interview, he mentioned how so many good things of his life happened around a bonfire. Mm. And uh, you know, I started thinking, what kind of things happen around a bonfire? And so, Mike, I want you to think of the top three most notable things about a bonfire to you. Like what do like when you think bonfire, what do you think of? Hmm. What is associated with a bonfire? Good or bad? What things go along with a bonfire? Question for you, Doc G. Bonfire. Okay. Is this or, just a fire? Yes. Or just a fire in the middle of people? Well, so you know, bonfire. A communal fire. I, yes, I feel like bonfire is more significant for uh, a group of Southerners. You know, of getting around because you have nowhere else to go, so you just make a giant fire uh, in the middle. Yeah, of like a, a huge fire. Yeah, in the middle yeah. of a field. Okay. But it doesn't yeah. have to be that, right? Any okay. type of, you know, open fire, right? Any type gotcha. of open fire. Okay. It can be on the beach. You know, I know I know the West Coasters love to do that on occasions if they're allowed, you know, Those make hippies, a little open yeah. yeah, make a little open fire there on the beach. Uh some of the, some some northeasterners like to do that too, you know, up in the Cape areas and places like yeah. that. Anywho sure. any open fire, what are the three things you think about? Good, bad, mm. what are the three things when you think setting around a fire? What does it make you think of? Top three things. Top three things. There you go. Mike, we have got uh, two birthday suits left. We need to get through these birthday suits. You are now uh, 21 for 34. Um, yes. It, it, this might be bad, Mike. You might not. It's this okay. might This might be an offer. We might have an offer today. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, this one you might get. You might get this one. Born on March 29, 1968 in Mount Albert, Auckland, New Zealand. Her birthday suit wearer's mom was a teacher and her dad was the mayor and bank and, and a banker. She was the fifth out of six children. She started performing in musicals at a young age. Even though she loved them, she didn't pursue them for a career. She went to college studying languages at Auckland University. At the age of 21, she won the Miss New Zealand competition. After college, she appeared in a sketch comedy show titled Funny Business. And then she decided to go back to school to study drama. In 1994, she appeared in Hercules and the Amazon Women. Hmm. Then in 1995, she was cast for the role that defined her career. She was cast as Xena. The Warrior Princess. Say what? She ended up starring in six seasons of Xena, The Warrior Princess. She's had many small roles since then. From 2012 to 2015, she starred in Parks and Recreation as Ron's girlfriend and eventual wife. She's currently playing a private investigator in the series My Life is Murder. Name that birthday suit where? No idea. I know who it is, but I don't know what her name is. Yeah, I don't think this will help, but we'll give it a shot. Give you the initials LL. Lisa Lobo. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, no, I don't know. Lucy Lawless. 
Lucy Lawless. Yes. There we go, man. Turning the big 5-5. Five, five. Doubled nickel for, for Xena. Mm. For Xena, Warrior Princess, man. Yeah, I hate to say it. That was one of those shows that, like, you really knew there was nothing on when you had to settle for that when I was a kid. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, crap. Xena, that's all I've got. Oh, Lame. All right. I guess I'll watch a couple of minutes of this before I get sick of it. But regardless, she was pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec. So she was good on Parks and Rec. She was there. So hats off to her for that, you know? Yeah. Regardless, Mike, happy birthday to Lucy Lawless. Mike, uh, it's time for the third birthday suit. Um, I would have to say I think there's less of a chance of you getting this one than there was the last one, so it's going to be rough. So <laughs> okay. We'll see. Uh, born on March, uh, March 29th, 1955 in Dublin, Ireland, our birthday suit where I loved reading growing up. When he was in second-level education, he started acting in school drama group and loved it. He then went on to the University College Dublin and majored in English and Irish. Hmm. I'm guessing when you major in Irish, you just learn English that nobody can understand because of the accent? Girl, oh, come on! Pretty much. I I'm kidding. Weird language, though. I'm they kidding. It's Gaelic. Guy. I do. I understand, yeah. Mike. It's Gaelic. Please, <laughs> please don't stop listening, Dublin. Don't keep listening. We love you. Yes. Anywho, after college, he did more school, and then uh, he he uh, he became a secondary teacher. He didn't start his film career until 1989. Hmm. Yeah, throughout the 90s and the early 2000s, he had several small roles in memorable movies uh, like Mission, Mission Impossible uh, 2, The Village, 28 Days Later, Kingdom of Heaven. I remember him uh, from two movies, uh, Braveheart and Troy. In Braveheart, hmm. he played William Wallace's close friend, Hamish and uh, in Troy, he played uh, Menelaus, the uh, king of Sparta, younger brother of Agamemnon. He gets killed, if, you, uh, if you've ever seen that movie. He's the one that uh, challenges uh, the, uh, um, um, what's, his, what's his face, his brother? Can't think of the Achilles. name. No, uh, you know, uh, hmm. Hector. He played Hector. Hector. Because Hector kills uh, Menelaus. Because if you remember in the movie, right, Mike, Menelaus's wife is the one that actually runs away with Paris, the younger brother. So and true. then Menelaus comes over to get his wife, and they're like, all right, we'll give your wife back. And then he's like, you know what? No, never mind. We're not going to give your wife back. Nope. And then he's like, well, somebody's got to fight me. And then Menelaus and Hector fight each other, and Hector kills Menelaus, and that's what starts the whole war. Uh, and it's oh. all based off of, you know, uh, the, the Iliad. It's all based off of Homer's Iliad, uh, the actual mm. mythical. Regardless, Mike, I got extremely sidetracked for this birthday suit. <laughs> I remember him from playing Menelaus in Troy, and I remember him playing in Braveheart. Anywho, later in his career, he played in The Grand Seduction. He played in Psychic, and most recently, he starred in the movie that I said was very well written, but depressing as 
the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Uh, name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, no idea. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's really, really pointless to go down a hole of Troy just uh, for no no purpose. Anyway, anyway, regardless, Mike, Brendan Gleason. Brendan, Brendan Gleason. Gleason. Yeah. Look this guy up. You know him. You, you see his face, you'll be like, oh. I got, I got exactly who that is. By the way, Mike, when I was looking up information oh, on, yeah. uh, when I was looking up information on Brendan, he's actually a huge advocate for speaking Gaelic. So he probably was not a fan of my joke about uh, Irish uh, uh, language. So nope. Next time I see Brendan, he'll probably punch me in the face. So, so true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brendan. It was a joke. You got to admit, Brendan, it's very hard to understand folks with a heavy Irish accent. It's very difficult. Or British accent, honestly. Ah. Irish, though, there's a whole new twist to that that island. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's there's like a, a different... Whole yeah. nother level. Whole nother level. It's just like Scottish, man. You get Scottish, that's a whole nother level of accent right there. Mm-hmm. It's the type of accent that they'll repeat something seven times, and you're like, wait, one more time? One more time? Yeah. And then after seven, you're just like, all right, I'm just going to nod and laugh. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, a, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I see where you're coming from. No, I agreed incorrectly. Whoops, my bad. Uh, regardless, yeah. Mike, he's turning 68. Wow. 68 for Brandon. Getting up there, man. Looking good for 68. And like I said, yeah. played a really great character in that movie. It's just depressing. Yeah, and still doing uh, show business stuff. That's all. He's getting good. it done, man. Getting it done, Mike. Bad week for you. Bad week. That was a that was an over right there. You're down now. You're down twenty for twenty one for thirty six. Twenty one <laughs> for thirty six. That that took a hit. The zero percent this week that took a hit. But it's all right. It's all yeah, right. It's okay. We've got much of the year to go. We've got. Three-fourths of the year to we can, go. We can get that lower. <laughs> we can get we that score see. a little bit lower. We will see if you come if you come to the middle, Mike. If you come to the middle. Regardless, Mike, we need to wrap it up for this week. We have got some fantastic shows coming up. We've got some awesome artists on the show. Jesse Daniels coming on the show. Can't wait to talk to Jesse. Um, we've got Austin Mead coming on the show. We've got uh, 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 Hayden Kaufman on the show. Just a bunch of great artists. But for now, we got to wrap it up. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Always a pleasure, Dr. E. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.